1: I'm Damian Bolwa. Today on 5th and Mission, a new effort is underway to respond to the suffering on San Francisco's streets. It's called the Street Crisis Response Team, and it consists of mental health professionals who go out to 911 calls for people in distress. The idea is to get police officers out of many of these calls, which involve people who are suffering from profound mental illness, or they're high on drugs, or they don't have a home. Often, they fit all of these categories at once. But though the teams are seen as a way to help people in a new and better way, the challenge is big. They need to provide long-term help for people so they don't continue to cycle through the system and back out on the streets. Chronicle reporter Tricia Thadani recently spent time with the Street Crisis Response Team in San Francisco, and she joins me here. Tricia, how are you?
2: I'm good. Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, thanks for coming on. Tricia, I want to get to your time spent with this team But before we do, what is it and what does it hope to accomplish?
2: So as you said, the uh, Street Crisis Response Team is a trio of mental health professionals that respond to 911 calls for people who are in distress. So, you know, unfortunately, your average San Franciscan has probably seen um, some of these people um, in their everyday lives from people who, you know, are clearly kind of detached from real- reality, are screaming, are either hunched over, um, and you're not sure if they're okay. Um, so this is a really big deal for San Francisco, that there's finally, aside from police, there's someone who can respond to these people who are clearly in desperate need on the city streets. All
1: right. So how does it work? And, you know, how do we get from what we used to happen, a police call, to actually these professionals coming out?
2: Yeah. Yeah so right now um, let's say you see someone who's in need on the city streets and you can call 911 and if what you describe to the dispatcher meets their technical definition of someone in um, a mental health in mental health distress um, then they can dispatch the street crisis response team but the catch is there's just simply not enough of them to meet the need um, right now we got we got some early program data that shows that there are currently in their pilot phase, only able to respond to 20% of these calls that come. So if you are to call 911 for someone who's clearly in need, you're more likely to get a police officer at this point. But the hope from the city is that they will be able to ramp up this program even further um, so that more of these mental health professionals can call uh, can respond to these calls.
1: And it comes amid a reform movement in which a lot of people are trying to get police out of a lot of different calls in the wake of, of the George Floyd case. What is it that police don't offer and what is it that these professionals can offer?
2: Yeah, so this, like you said, is kind of comes amid this huge reckoning on how police are involved in, in our everyday lives and especially for people who, who are as vulnerable um, on the city streets. Um, And so they, you know, police officers, even though there has been increased training um, in how to deal with these situations, they're still not trained mental health professionals at the end of the day. Um, So instead, the point of the street crisis response team is to have trained clinical mental health professionals who can come and they they know how to how to talk to these people and they know how to, you know, gently coax them into care.
1: All right. I mean, I think obviously some people will wonder, well, perhaps a police officer has a way of using, you know, the threat of an arrest or perhaps, you know, just the, you know, the fact that they are armed and ready to to deal with anything. Is the, are, are those things not needed in these calls?
2: Not always. So there obviously there are times when if if the call does turn violent, then the street crisis team does have the ability to call 911 and get sort of that more armed response. But more often than not, um, I mean, what uh, city officials had found is, you know, if you are someone who's living on the streets, you and you might have a traumatic experience already with law enforcement, you're not going to be as amenable to responding to them as you would be to someone who might be more, you know, more compassionate, more well trained on how to how to talk to you. And so while I was out um, with the street crisis team um, a couple of days ago, um, one of the one of the social workers in that in that team named Stephanie Cheery, she was telling me about how another advantage that they have is that they really know the system. So they know what services that they can offer these people, what might be best for them and stuff like that.
3: I think a common misconception is that like if someone calls, we're just gonna take someone into a shelter or we're just gonna take them off to rehab. And really it's about qualifying someone for that. Do you want to go? Yeah. Like what can we help you with? Where are you at in wanting to change this particular part of your life? do you want to change that? And if not why, so that we can understand to support you in living your best high quality life, how you deem fit.
1: So it sounds like what she's getting at is that there might be a range of different solutions based on the call. Some people are 5150'd as you write, which is an involuntary hold where people are usually medicated at a hospital. Um, sometimes it's treatment. And sometimes you, as you say, they it's resolved out on the street. So you know, what are they looking for and, and what are the outcomes?
2: Yeah, so there's really a range of solutions, or at least temporary solutions, for the people that they respond to. So, for example, the first um, the first call that that we went out on, um, it was a man who was clearly not well. Um, he was wrapped in these dirty blankets on 16th and Mission, right outside the BART station, um, and he hadn't moved for at least a day. Um, and so the street crisis response team came and they, you know, slowly but surely tried convincing him that going to the hospital was in, was in his best interest. Um, his leg was really badly infected. He hadn't eaten in, you know, a couple of days. And so it took them like 40 to 45 minutes to, to convince him in a very like compassionate way that, you know, this could be life threatening if you don't leave or and if you don't go to the hospital. So eventually he agreed and they lifted him on the gurney and then they um, they brought him to the hospital. Now, just a few minutes later, they got another call right around the corner for another guy who he was complaining about. There was an issue inside of his housing unit on 16th and Mission. And for him, the the solution in that moment for him was he just needed someone to listen to him and to follow up with his caseworker for that. So it wasn't as severe as bringing him to the hospital. It was just talking to him and figuring out what he needed in that moment. So they really respond to a whole range of
1: situations. And going back to the first man, I wonder, was it important to them, or at least did they think it was better for it to be voluntary, rather than for them to think of of committing him with their sort of official powers?
2: Exactly. So. That that is what the street crisis response team really aims to do, and um is to really empower someone's own choice. I mean, a fifty getting fifty one fifty is a very traumatic experience. I mean, you are you are in you your rights are taken away from you for um a couple of hours to a few days, and you don't want someone who is already very vulnerable. You don't want someone to go through that unless it's absolutely necessary. So that's where the street crisis response team really comes in and being able to talk to people and convince them that this is in their best interest. And so I had also asked Stephanie Cherry about this of, oh, if this guy was resisting um, going into care, why couldn't you just 5150 him? And so she, she talked about how important it is to sort of have that empathy and give them that choice.
3: We've all received training. We're trying to be client-centered, trauma-informed, right? Giving someone the autonomy to make that choice, weighing out the pros and cons with them, mm-hmm. um, building rapport, like building yeah. empathy. You know, he really wanted to find his friend, and we made a genuine attempt to help him do that. Yeah, to help calm him. So those are the kinds of things that, like, in the future, if he is approached he might be more
1: amenable, right? So, Tricia, as this program gets going, what is it going to take to sustain it? Is it going to save money? Is it going to cost additional money? Can San Francisco afford it? So it's
2: going to be expensive. Um, By the time it's fully ramped up to its six teams, um, it's going to cost the city about $10 million a year. And that's going to be funded through Proposition C, which was a 2018 business tax um, that raised money for homelessness services. Um, Now, You know, there's arguments to be made that if you can solve more of these crises on scene um, and not have to bring people to the hospital in the long run, you will you will save the city money because, again, it is also very expensive to bring people to the hospital and to treat them there. Um, but the question becomes is how do you measure success in something like this? So some people we spoke to, we'd asked this question of, of how, how are you going to decide if this is, this is a successful program? Um, and, you know, some metrics were, uh, you know, measuring whether people are less involved in the criminal justice system, um, if you can get more people into long term care. But again, those are really hard things to measure um, for the city overall.
1: But in the long term, obviously less people in jail, not building a jail, having less police officers, less police headquarters, all of these things tend to add up.
2: Exactly. Yeah. So the idea is that if you can if you can catch people in that moment when they are in a crisis um, and if you can help them there, maybe you will you will you will keep them from maybe devolving even further.
1: All right, Tricia, let's take a quick break. We've got Tricia Thadani, Chronicle reporter here on Fifth and Mission. We'll be right back after this.
0: We'll be right back after a short break. You can support 5th Inmission Mission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited Chronicle access at sfchronicle.com slash pod. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com/system all lowercase to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com/system.
1: Welcome back to Fifth and Mission. I'm Damian Bolwa, joined by Chronicle reporter Trisha Thadani, who recently spent some time with San Francisco's new Street Crisis Response Team. Trisha, I want to ask you about. The problems with this, I mean, they seem to be somewhat similar to other things that you've written about. There aren't always enough resources. There aren't enough teams yet, but also, you know, up the line. Are there enough places to treat these people? Is there enough places to give people long-term housing or care?
2: That's the constant question with um, these street response teams, Um, you know, it's undeniable that the people who are responding to the people on the streets are incredibly well trained. Um, You know, watching them for a morning was almost inspiring to see how, um, you know, how compassionate they were and how knowledgeable they were about what this person needed in that moment. But at the same time, like what many of these people ultimately need is long term care or housing. And those are things that are are incredibly in incredibly short supply in San Francisco. Um, you know, it is well known that San Francisco's system of care is just understaffed and overwhelmed and often at capacity. <clears throat> and even as we have expanded our street response, there hasn't been the simultaneous expansion in long term care options. Um, so the question becomes like, well, it's great that we're talking to more people on the streets and maybe bringing more people to the hospital, but what happens next?
1: And some people say, with people like perhaps the man that that you described that some people need more intervention into their lives if they're going to be able to to start anew and not just be back out on that street a week or two later
2: yeah and that's what many people are worried about with the street crisis response team, and while no one I spoke to said that the street crisis response team was a bad idea, they were still skeptical of like if this would actually solve for this like constant revolving door that we see from the city streets to shelters, to hospitals and back.
1: Trisha, even with the challenges, and one of the big ones is that homelessness continues to go up and has done so in the pandemic, as you've written, Why are people optimistic that we might finally head in the right direction after so many years?
2: Yeah, so a lot of public health experts who I spoke to were really excited about this program. Um, You know, even given the sort of the hurdles and the challenges around it, this program itself to them was a really hopeful um, sort of message as to where the city is heading in the direction of mental health care um, in terms of getting police from or stopping police from being the primary responders to this. Um, you know, this was a big um, promise of Mayor London Breeds um, amid the, the protests last year that she would have a, a bigger focus on having mental health professionals responding to those on the streets rather than police. And this is the first step in this direction. But it is a very small step in that direction at the same time. So even if this isn't the the silver bullet um, for the issues that we see, as Stephanie Cheery put it, it's meeting people where they are, which is a really important thing when it comes to to helping people that um, you know have been on the streets for a while and are struggling with mental illnesses and substance use issues. Um, and you know, it's all about what what they focus on is not just like getting people into care at that moment, but it's also building that relationship and building that trust. So when that person is ready, they will be more willing hopefully to accept that care.
3: And I think there's something to be said about developing like authentic relationships with people and they feel accountable, right? They know I'm going to roll through every single day and say, hi, how are you? And address them if I get a call.
1: Trisha, I want to ask you one more thing. I know that you have spent a lot of time on the streets of San Francisco in the last few years. You've been out with workers like this. You've, You've followed around people who are addicted to drugs or, or or need housing. Overall, what has that been like as a reporter to see that? And and are you filled with any kind of sense of uh, that things might be going in a better direction?
2: Yeah, I mean, when you when you follow these people and see the issues through their eyes, it feels like a very intractable problem um, in some ways. But then when you you know when you follow people like the Street Crisis Response Team, it is a very hopeful look at where we might be going as a city. Um, There's no question that there are a lot of things being done to help help these people. But at the same time, the issue is just so enormous and has been just so entrenched in San Francisco for so long that it is going to take a lot of ambition and creativity and money (laughs) to make a dent in it.
1: All right. Well, Tricia, thanks for coming on and thanks for continuing to cover these issues.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Thanks to my guest today, Chronicle reporter Trisha Thadani, to Cecilia Lay for producing this episode, and thank you for listening.